0: Host is in the chair.
1: The Truman Show is on the air.
0: It's the Truman Show with Truman Jones. A look at the politics, news, sports, and people that are shaping Rutherford County. The Truman Show is on the air. The Truman Show is on the air. Now from Adams Place on Memorial Boulevard, it's the Truman Show on News Radio WGNs. Here's Truman Jones.
2: Good morning, Rutherford County. Of course, it's the Greg Tucker Show, and it's he crazy. tried he tried driving in with three tires this morning and had to go back and and uh, get his poor sweet wife up and and drove her car in this morning. So, storms make uh, strange bedfellows, don't they?
1: Well, (laughs) you gotta accommodate it because you can't stop it. Uh, I don't think the rain had anything to do with the flat this morning. You don't? No, more more (laughs) scheduling-wise. Uh-huh. More than likely, we're doing a lot of roof work around several of the properties. uh, I suspect I may have picked up one of those old roofing nails. Uh, but, in any event, we're here. And if you like uh, a little bit of rain every once in a while, it's, it, 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 it is a nice day.
2: I don't like this kind of weather at all. It was the lightning was hitting all around me when I was coming in this morning, and the rain was just out of out of sight. I mean it it, it was terrible coming in. so if if you uh, don't have to get out this morning, stay home enjoy your home and uh, enjoy listening to Greg uh, converse with all of you this morning because he looks like he's ready to go although he's got a little bit of a head cold this morning which is not good and I heard that my old buddy uh, Greg Thomas Booker was uh, uh, he he won an award this morning the one that uh, the radio puts out as the favorite guy of the day or whatever it is. I, good, I, I'm not
1: good sure. Good neighbor. Go, is it the good neighbor? A good neighbor, yes. Yeah. He, he gets a bouquet <laughs> uh, today. That's uh, a good I, program. Is it Ryan's that's been doing that for so many yeah, years? Yeah, they've been doing that. for. In fact, yeah. I got one
2: one time. Believe <coughs> it or not, I actually made, made that list at one time and, well, and I, bless their hearts, I don't know who in the world w- w- was silly enough to put my name in there. But I do want to mention that, uh, uh, of course, Thomas Booker will be on tomorrow, and Billy Martin's son is going to be uh, on the the show tomorrow. And if anybody is a baseball fan, everybody knows that Billy Martin was the manager of the New York Yankees for years and a great second baseman. In fact, he was saved (coughs) on the World Series for uh, the Yankees one time, and I was actually watching that game. And uh, that is a, um, that's going to be special for me because I was a big uh, Billy Martin fan. So tune in tomorrow if you're a, uh, uh, a baseball fan. And Harmon Killerbrew's uh, son is also going to be on. So it's going to be a special baseball day. And we may be talking a little bit about the strike that's coming up for baseball. And, Greg, you know, I could understand strikes years ago for people that were making $10 an hour or $11 an hour. That was but, pretty
1: good a few years ago. We, yeah,
2: yeah. We but can talking, you
1: imagine, would you want to strike uh, if you were making $15 million a year? I'm afraid jealousy is the motive there rather than any kind of need because they all think, probably correctly so, that the... The team owners are making out millions and millions a year. Well, they are. Yeah. Uh, but. Uh, but let's, they're the owners. Yeah. But and they're gonna kill the golden goose if not careful.
2: Yeah. Well, it's happened before, it and hails. a lot of people quit <coughs> watching baseball there for a while.
1: What I remember about Billy Martin, he was funny because he had had a quick temper. Yes. He'd blow up at the referees, and if you. Back to the umpire. Back then, I guess it's still a rule, if you touch an umpire, you're out of the game immediately. Oh, yeah. So he would run out like he's going to beat up on the umpire and stop about two feet away and kick dirt on him. So he never touched one. It
2: was entertaining. <laughs>
1: yeah, but he put on a good show. It looked like a child throwing a tantrum, you know, kicking the ground. And uh, uh, he made, to me, he was part of the show. Good reason to watch. Surely... Surely Martin will lose his temper at least once this game. <laughs> you
2: know, baseball is is a game for young people and young kids. They can and, and it's something that they play out on on a sandlot wherever they can find a place and and just enjoy the day with uh, all their friends.
1: Well, you can get hurt in any sport, but what I appreciate about kid baseball is they're not as likely to get hurt as yeah. the knights and some of these other. Other sports. And uh,
2: Speaking of other sports, Oakland Patriots are the state champion once again. Once again. So, Kevin, uh, we're <coughs> proud of you, big boy.
1: Let's see. The weather yesterday was real nice for working outside. It was cloudy all day. And uh, the c- occasion for me, I met uh, Jacob Shaw, who's a master of concrete work. Mm-hmm. And we finished up our project with the Revolutionary War veteran grave out there uh, close to the uh, uh, National Park, the Battlefield Park, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, put two plaques on it. One reciting what the original information was on the, on the marker. The marker's there, but after so many years, it's uh, hard to read. So we put a plaque on the bottom restating the original inscription for historic reasons. And also, uh, we got support from a number of our good citizens, and uh, we added their names. And I want to say thank you, Truman, for helping bridge the gap there. Uh, So the expense of the project is all covered. And uh, we go on to the next project, which I have mentioned. Here before, we've already got uh, Scott Porterfield helping with it. Uh, Again, some cement work. The monument that marks the uh, attempt to get the state capitol built in Murfreesboro, Mm -hmm. out on old Las Casas Pike, was vandalized. And uh, that's our next project, is to get that one back up in good shape. Why in the world would anybody vandalize that particular one?
2: I, I mean, it, it's such a, a, a great thing for Rutherford
1: County. And uh, well, a lot it's, of people, yeah, you know, it's,
2: that, that, that makes a lot of
1: people here happy. It's curious trivia, but you can see all the businesses out there use it as a landmark. We've got the center point Apartments and other activity that uh, uses the name and location there. It's, it's what I call kind of tourist trivia, but uh, it's fun. Mm-hmm. and uh, tell the story and we're gonna since we have the opportunity here to uh, make a new plaque for it uh, tell a little more detail about the history of the center of the state mm-hmm. and how it was significant hundred and almost 200 years ago yeah
2: I've yeah. noticed the knowledge of, of Rutherford County has increased dramatically since you've been there
1: well, we, there's more documentation, I, I'll admit to that. We've tried to write and publish things that uh, are going to get lost pretty soon. But you made mention of something the other day. I was talking about the economic evolution of the county, mm-hmm. and you made note that there was a date back there in the early 1900s when the economy took a hit yeah. because they outlawed a particular product. I
2: can't even imagine what that was. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it was flowing pretty freely. Yes. And uh, Very actually, tasty, too, I've heard. Actually, actually, I would say Prohibition raised the value of the product mm-hmm. because of the difficulties it added. Uh, and it continued to flow with uh, a little change of style wow. and procedure. Uh, but yesterday is a significant anniversary. That would be December fifth. It's day the sixth. Yeah, December fifth, nineteen thirty-three. You know what happened on that date? Is that when everything went south? Do
2: what? Is is that the date everything went south in this country?
1: Well, uh, that's the date that the uh, Roosevelt administration, as they had promised. I guess one of the first things uh, the new president signed, he was elected in 32, took office mm-hmm. in 33. That was the end of Prohibition. That's uh, when everything went south. <coughs> everything, everything went to work. Yeah. Uh, one interesting story is uh, uh, Motlow had preserved, uh, quietly back up in the hills, mm-hmm. a little activity. And he saw the opportunity to go back into commercial production down there in the Lynchburg area. And he went to Nashville and explained his plan and uh, talked to some of the uh, uh, wealthier individuals there. In fact, a number of them were in the insurance business and offered shares of his company at $2,000 a share. Yeah, which was pretty big money. A lot of money back then. And he collected from a dozen or so. Mm and went back, used the money to reestablish his operation down there in Moore County. And uh, back in the 60s or 70s when I learned about it, that $2,000 share was worth something more like $200,000. Very big money. Uh, to each of the investors <coughs> I'm I th-
2: like this one coming in rutherford county yeah. when you think about it
1: some impact yeah and uh uh all of them were bought out over you know the next few years and of course as it uh, foreman the big canadian distiller now owns jack daniels uh so i'm sure the local people are are all out of it but uh a nice investment if you got the money to put in because like you say in the in the mid 1930s very few people could come up with two thousand dollars for a yeah. uh, risky investment
2: brought uh, a lot of jobs to moore county it did
1: it did and of course we're looking at at an anniversary tomorrow that you know it occurred to me that there are very few people alive at least in rutherford county now who remember personally remember December seventh, nineteen forty-one. Oh yes, yes. And uh, I was born one month and one day. Yeah, before that, you were there. I wasn't. I wasn't here yet. Uh, I I waited until the end of the war. Yeah. Uh, But you came up a little earlier. But uh, I I doubt that you have a vivid recollection of of that time.
2: No, I remember the reactions after the war. I mean, after that. Oh yes. Yeah. It was it was unbelievable because my daddy was so uh, uh, fired up over and, and everybody I, I I can still remember riding on the bus a Greyhound bus and I was the only civilian on the bus yeah and all the others were soldiers getting ready to go.
1: Well, every literally every aspect of daily life in Rutherford County was affected by the war. Yeah. And I don't think there's anything else since then. I would, I would commit to say nothing since then has had that same kind of complete impact. And it wasn't just, you know, on December 8th we were all united. It went on for four or five years yeah. uh, and uh, affected everything. We say when we look back at it, uh, you know, uh, the way they cooked the meals, for yeah. example, in in private homes was affected, because uh, rationing was necessary thereafter. And uh, I found something that I appreciated being circulated uh, right now. Remember at the Princess Theater, it still was going on when we went to the movies. There usually was a newsreel. Yeah. Movie I, Tone I, I, was the yeah. company that put them together. Movie Tone News. Remember I'd, like, well. I'd like to talk to someone who knows exactly how it was done because uh, they stayed relatively current. It might be a week or so back before uh, you know it got on the newsreels. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, they must have been film produced very quickly and somehow actually delivered the film to the studio, uh, to the theater. Because remember, there'd be the uh, a short subject, mm-hmm. like a comedy that maybe 20 minutes, Laurel and Hardy, or someone like that. There'd be a cartoon. Uh, and then there would be the newsreel. Mm-hmm. And uh, after all that, you'd get your feature. Lowell whatever. Thomas, most of the time. And did a lot of them. Well, yeah. I found a uh, text of the original World War II newsreel uh, that was run, and it was apparently put together very quickly uh, because it had very little detail. But let me share that with you. If you want to close your eyes and lean back and think you're in the theater, and it's time for the and I, I wish I could imitate it, but I can hear in my head the music and the tone of the voice that oh. came on with the news. Oh yeah. And uh, it flashed up with a Japanese flash. Repeat, a Japanese flash. The Imperial Headquarters today announced a state of war with the United States. Interesting that uh, they're treating the attack as a declaration of war because this was running just very shortly after the, the attack. Out of the deep blue backdrop of Pacific sky, mayhem struck the Hawaii island of Oahu as Japanese planes bombed and strafed the American naval base at Pearl Harbor. The attack raged on for two hours. So dense was the smoke from the explosions that the sky became black as night. The USS crew members aboard the burning vessels reported visibility so bad they couldn't see where they were. The USS Arizona and Oklahoma were destroyed and six other battleships disabled. Over 2,500 Americans were killed and over 1,000 injured in the surprise attack. Uh, You can see the numbers. Uh, Later, that number went up more like 3,500, and no telling how many were were injured. Uh, And then a a few days later, the movie tone uh, repeated. The uh, broadcast of Roosevelt. Yeah. Which of course, most people in the country heard it live because we all knew that we had to respond. And uh, the famous line, uh, Roosevelt and his broadcast response uh, reads what he has addressed to the Congress. I remember back then we appreciated that the uh, Constitution said that Congress had to declare war. Yeah. Uh, So he immediately goes to Congress and says, Members of the Senate and the House of Representatives, yesterday, December 7th, 1941, a date which will live in infamy, the United States of America was suddenly and deliberately attacked by naval forces of the Emperor of Japan.
2: You you can't get that out of your mind. Uh, I mean, I have to watch it every time it comes on. One is... Roosevelt, of course, was not a uh, healthy person at the time. He was ravaged by polio, and he was having a hard time standing up at the podium, but the speech that he gave was one of the <coughs> best I've ever heard. It brought the people together, and, and all of the elected officials that were there in the audience stood and clapped. I mean, they just roared, and, and it, we were ready to go. And like the, they, they said, uh, basically, the Japanese uh, awakened a sleeping giant, and that's exactly yeah. what
1: happened. Uh, I think historians generally agree that uh, Japan made a big mistake they did. because they brought us in with full commitment. Because before Pearl Harbor, you and I have talked about how there was some very prominent uh, Americans, uh, Charles Lindbergh. Who were yeah. just adamant that uh, we should not engage in the and put ourselves in the. He was pro Germany, and yeah. I never understood that one. Yeah, and he wanted us to stay out of Europe Yeah, and uh, organize, travel around the country, promoting uh, neutrality was a nice way to say it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, Pearl Harbor ended all that. We were in it all together. Yeah. And fortunately, we were blessed with a leader who could prepare us for the worst and get us all to hunker down and and do what had to be done. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, a sidelight reading about it yesterday, the uh, attack was carried out from aircraft carriers. The Japanese had several large carriers at that time and the Zero the Zero was designed so it yeah. could carry a bomb load or do strafing. And the Zero, uh, which was at the time the best, by far, most maneuverable, fastest fighter plane on Earth, yeah. uh, and dominated in the early parts of the war over there. It was the, the major weapon that was used at Pearl Harbor as well. Uh, but what followed that? I know people try to compare it with 9-11. 9-11 was a terrible tragedy. We also were attacked by foreign power. Mm-hmm. And uh, a near equivalent number of people were killed. The physical damage to our int- our infrastructure was limited, though. You know, a big impact in downtown Manhattan. Mm-hmm. But uh, a little different from taking us out of commerce and military activity in the entire Pacific. Uh, And I know the day after 9-11, because many of us are still able to remember exactly when and where, we were all together. We all sensed we had been attacked and we had to respond. But you still got up and had everything for breakfast, lunch, and dinner that you were accustomed to. That never was affected. Uh, we still were able to move about and enjoy our freedom uh, because there was never any rationing imposed. These things went into effect so soon after Pearl Harbor that, uh, you know, it had everybody reacting and reeling and adjusting uh, to it. Uh, the, The rationing was necessary to ensure the availability of military supplies. Uh, my friend Tom Adams. The other day, I visited with him, and he gave me a uh, actual war rations book. Because immediately, a Office of Price Administration (OPA) was set up, and uh, just about everything that was part of your daily life was rationed because it was was needed in the military context, and uh, Uh, Tom Adams was born just right uh, at the start of the war, 1941, I guess 42, and uh, I hadn't focused on this before, every individual was uh, given or issued a war ration book Mm -hmm. so at the time uh, in his first year there was a book issued and of course it was given to the parents but uh, everybody had their own rationing more an allotment yeah. yeah so he still had because the books were not used up and which shows some people were conservative even in using what was rationed to them appreciate that uh, but at one year old he had a ration book and two years old he got another ration book and that's the one that i have here with me and you can see uh, hundreds and hundreds of little bitty tear-out stamps in the ration book. I'm looking at one that has a military tank uh, on the on the little stamp, and each stamp entitled you to a particular commodity and a particular quantity, and uh, they couldn't be used all at once. They were spaced out over time that you could use them. And, uh, i wonder today if we got into such a desperate situation we had to go to uh rationing of that sort would there be demonstrations in the street or would we all recognize that this was essential and we
2: there would be some demonstrations. there would be some but the responsible people they would stand up yeah. you know it brought us out, out of the out of the problem financial problems we were going through in the 30s and and when everybody went out i mean uh, many of the the guys went into the the military and, were, and they were fighting <laughs> in the battlefields. And the ladies, uh, 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 quite a few of them, became employed in in, in industrial places. And uh, it, it um, y- you think about it, it was a terrible, terrible war. And there were a lot of of our great heroes that were lost during that. But it. it um, It almost brought us from our knees, went down to our knees, and then we stood up strong, and the country started uh, becoming very, very successful after that. And,
1: you know, we think, well, we got attacked and we responded and we're back at them. Mm -hmm. No, if you look at the the history of the conflicts, it took us almost two years before we were strong enough to begin to dominate and, and recover. Uh,
2: well, now that you know, they responded after that attack with our aircraft carrier. You know, we all know where that happened, uh, and and the good Lord was looking after us on that. Yeah,
1: the raid on Tokyo. No one would even dare to uh, suggest uh, a, a, a military strike under those circumstances, but it was, as you know, for morale here mm-hmm. as much. Yeah, inflicted very limited damage, but. It showed that no, we're coming back at you. Yeah, and uh, Doolittle, who had some history and contacts here in Rutherford County, uh, the Doolittle, including
2: your father.
1: Yeah, the Doolittle raid is almost yeah. a, a, uh, a phrase in our lexicon. Um, the same time that we were asked to limit our production, our consumption, the rationing. On the other end, we were asked to collect because part of it was we needed raw material, mm-hmm. and uh, we're going to sh- cut back on our consumer uh, use of it. But also, we're going to bring together everything that's needed that uh, we can pass on. So, uh, part of it was money, and we started war bond drives. People were yeah. asked to. Uh, the U.S.O.
2: was part of that. And U.S.O. very much.
1: Well, people were, for instance, the women, many women went into the workforce, but all those who were drawn into the workforce domestically Mm -hmm. were asked to put half or some percentage of their income back in uh, the purchase of war bonds. Mm -hmm. So I've talked to many people in the generation that was the working generation at the time, and uh, at the end of the war they were flush with bonds because uh, uh, sometimes as much as a third of what you were being paid for your wartime employment went right back into bonds and you were given bonds or saving stamps. Yeah. You saved so many war, uh, saving stamps and you could trade it in for a, a bond. And uh, uh, I didn't understand until, because uh, I remember my mother had bonds and uh, over the early 50s, she would every once in a while cash in a bond. The way they did it is, you bought the bond for something below the face value. So if you're buying a $25 war bond, mm-hmm. you could buy you could buy it for 15, 16, 17 dollars, something like that. And uh, you, after the the specified time, it was worth the face value. Then you needed to go ahead and cash it in, because the original bonds didn't go beyond the face value. Later, the savings bonds, patterned on the old war bonds, continued to grow with some interest. But the original war bonds, what it said on there was what ultimately it was going to be worth. So you held it until it came to full value. And then you had to spend it or convert it pretty pretty soon. Or you started losing value. But...
2: Well, just think uh, about the middle class, how much they meant during that particular war. Because they stood tall. I mean, they really did. And they're the ones that whipped this country back into shape.
1: Well, locally, what kind of sacrifice was being made? We were, we were rationing and we were collecting. Uh, we were buying war bonds, and then we were collecting metal and scrap iron, uh, all that kind of thing and uh, but, in each December during the war activity, we were asked not to put up lights, not to decorate and put up uh, bright lights uh, because we need to conserve electricity. Mm-hmm. We were asked not to make long distance phone calls unless it was absolutely essential uh, because that was being kept open for the the military use. Uh, awful lot of sacrifice there. I'm pleased to see Joyce Johnson and Bruce drop by. John Lowe. John Lowe? Mm-hmm.
2: What? How kind of is he? I haven't heard. Has well, he had some problems?
1: Well, he went through COVID. I have seen him, though, since he recovered from that. oh wow well we'll have to check on john yeah i deal uh, a lot with him but i hadn't seen him since last week and he was in good shape last week
0: from nhc's adams place home of premier senior living on memorial boulevard it's the Truman Show on News Radio WGNS on FM 101.9 and AM 1450 Murfreesboro, FM 100.5 Smyrna, and streaming at WGNSRadio.com. My name
2: is Mary Edith Martin McFarland, and I love Adams Place.
1: Nobody wants to leave their home, you know. I'll miss my house and yard and. That's why Adam's Place is wonderful for me. I feel safe and I feel cared for if I were to fall, somebody there to help you
2: out and get you to help. That's why Adam's Place is wonderful for me. I feel safe and I love Adam's Place.
0: Hi, this is Bob Cornell, pastor of Covenant Church right here in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. The answer that you've been looking for
1: is found in Jesus and what He accomplished at the cross. You see, Jesus changes lives from the inside out. We would love for you to join us at Covenant Church, located at 1124
0: Brinkley Ave. right here in Murfreesboro. We have services Sunday morning at 1030 a.m. and Tuesdays at 7 p.m. You can learn more about us at our Cornell Ministries YouTube channel.
1: We want you to grow in Christ at Covenant Church.
3: We're located on East Main Street, exactly three miles from the town square, one mile past Rutherford Boulevard. Visit us online at budstirepros.tn.com. If you're in Smyrna, you can now listen to WGNS on FM 100.5. If you're in Murfreesboro, tune to FM 101.9 and, of course, AM 1450. If you listen to 100.5 in Murfreesboro, you'll want to switch to 101.9 before January 1st. Now, an update
0: from the WGNSradio.com News Center.
3: I'm Ron Jordan. Firefighters are called to a structure fire Sunday in the 300 block of East Jefferson Pike between Hedgeapple Road and the Middle Point Landfill. First responders say they could see smoke coming from the roof of the house, and that was their first point of attack. East Jefferson Pike had to be closed till about 10.15 Sunday night so that hose lines and fire equipment could be set up on the roadway. Morfisboro Parks and Recreation encourages you to drive through Cannesburg Village on South Front Street and enjoy the free Christmas lights. The event is open every Friday, Saturday, and Sunday evening from 5 to 8 p.m. now through December 19. The 46th annual Town of Smyrna Christmas Parade and Food Drive was held at 2 o'clock Sunday afternoon with sunny skies and temperatures around 60. Parade organizers indicated that generous donations of non-perishable food for the needy was collected by the Town of Smyrna personnel from spectators along the route. They say the goal of 50,000 items was reached with donations above the public as well as parade entries. Several hundred runners with a wide diversity in age and hometowns gathered at Hop Springs on the John Bragg Highway at 10 o'clock Saturday morning for the 13th Annual Frosty Fun Run. Fleet Street owner Krista Dugosh was elated that the 5K Run and Walk is again an in-person event. She noted that, as in previous years, proceeds from the Frosty Fun Run will benefit court-appointed special advocates of Rutherford County and Parks Christmas for the children. Socialize with us on social media. Log on to Facebook.com slash WGNS Radio and click the Like button. Follow us on Twitter at WGNS Radio. And for news on demand 24 7, it's WGNSRadio.com. I'm Ron Jordan reporting. The Good Neighbor
0: Network, on air and online at WGNSRadio.com. Rutherford County's most trusted source for local news.
3: Bell Jewelers has a wonderful selection of gifts for men. We carry the William Henry pocket knives and the writing pens and money clips made of Damascus steel.
2: We have some that are made from 10,000-year-old woolly mammoth tooth. We have long watches, Seiko watches. This is Lisa Halliburton at Bell
3: Jewelers. We have
2: a really nice selection for the man in your life.
3: Bell Jewelers, 821 Northwest Broad Street, right across from Toot's Restaurant.
0: Fourth and goal from the one. On, on, on. It's make or break. The game is on the line. Who wants it more? These are the moments that can define a season. The roar of the crowd builds with anticipation. And then...
3: Into the end zone. Touchdown, tennessee hear all the defining moments right here this is the voice of the blue raiders chip walters on rutherford county's home for mtsu sports wgns talk radio Listen live to WGNS Radio on our website, and Alexa, or Google devices. Search WGNS Radio for on-demand podcasts in iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and Stitcher. Plus, we have direct links to podcasts at WGNSRadio.com. Good neighbor weather. We'll see mostly cloudy skies here for this afternoon, with temperatures steady early then slowly falling throughout the day. North winds at 10 to 20 miles per hour, gusting as high as 25. I'm meteorologist Jennifer Vujcic on News Radio WGNS. Currently, it's 55 five Premiere 6 theater on Broad in Jackson Heights showing all of your favorite movies call their hotline 896 4100 or go see amovie.com. popcorn pop fresh daily their movie hotline 896 4100 or go see a Premiere 6 on Broad in Jackson Heights from NHC's Adams place home of premier senior living
0: on Memorial Boulevard it's the Truman show on news Radio WGns. On FM 101.9 and AM 1450 Murfreesboro, FM 100.5 Smyrna, and streaming at WGNSRadio.com.
2: And welcome back with Greg Tucker. And, of course, we're talking about uh, the attack on Pearl Harbor in our nation. And
1: uh, the anniversary of which is tomorrow. And as we noted not many of us around. There are a few that actually remember the first hearing of the attack. Yeah. Uh, but I'd, I'd hope that many of us, if we appreciate what we have today, will at least take a, set, a couple of minutes and review that history. And uh, we call them the greatest generation. They survived, grew up during the Depression, then went right into a war. Yeah. And hundreds of thousands didn't survive. But uh, they prevailed, and uh, we owe an awful lot to that that generation. And we shouldn't forget that uh, if we let our guard down, there are those out there in the rest of the world who uh, will try to take advantage of us. We
2: got a caller on the line. Caller, welcome aboard with Greg Tucker.
1: Butch, this is FP Travis. Sir.
2: I called hey, in, I dude. live on Kingwood Drive. I've been living here since 1967. And I went up to the clerk's office to get a map that shows the subdivision, you know. And in 1938, when it was laid out, Kingwood Drive was named uh, Lindbergh Drive.
1: That's right.
2: And then after that, after he fell in disfavor, they the changed it, I guess, to Kingwood. That's right. Well, that's that all I had to right. say. Enjoy your show every time. Thank oh, I, I am glad to hear from you, uh, and you were you a great member of the class of '59. Yeah, I remember them all. <laughs> yeah, yes. You, you're a spe- you're a special person here, F.D. You are, and I too. really appreciate you coming. Uh huh. Th- Thank you very much for calling us. A interesting
1: point. In 1929, 28, 29. Lindbergh was the biggest American hero uh, and uh, was treated as a hero all around the world uh, because of his accomplishments, primarily the first transatlantic flight, Mm -hmm. solo. Uh, But uh, he wore out that fame by supporting Germany and promoting the neutralism and uh, after the war started uh, the local commission back then the county court uh, no it was the Murfreesboro City Council mm-hmm. uh, which had approved naming the new street Lindbergh uh, that said we're going to take that name off mm-hmm. and uh, I'm not sure where they came up with Kingwood I believe it was actually uh, one of the early uh, early estates over there was called Kingwood Uh, But that's interesting.
2: It's still a nice area over there, Uh, after all these years.
1: Yeah, I came across an interesting name that I know folks down in Eagleville, the southwest corner of the county will remember, Crosland. Yes. Frank Crosland Crosland in particular. You know, they uh, immediately, uh, a vast number of the young men in Rutherford County volunteered and and left. And... uh, Many of them were in the midst of developing their careers, they were raising families, and they had to leave that. Uh, but then beyond the wave of volunteers, the government immediately set up our first draft boards. Mm-hmm. And I found an account where uh, on December 23rd, the Selective Service Draft Board announced in Rutherford County that 16 more Rutherford men had been classified 1A which meant uh, tomorrow you're going into the military yeah. available for general military service. Interesting, eight were classified as 2A, which meant they were engaged in essential civilian employment. And there was a good bit of that around Rutherford County we'll get to in a minute. Two were classified 3C. You know what 3C was? No. Engaged in agricultural production. Oh, I mean, uh, the war planners understood that uh, we had to keep producing food if we yeah. were going to continue to be able to defend ourselves. So uh, quite a number of our farms and such were kept in operation. And uh, one individual was classified as 4F, and we remember that uh, from years later. 4F meant unfit for military service. Yeah. But, you know, a lot of those fellows joined what was called the home guard because the national guard had been called up to active duty and all the military branches were involved so those that could not for one reason or another age or physical disability joined in rutherford county what we called the home guard Mm -hmm. some of the leadership of the home guard were veterans of world war one uh too old to come along again but frank crosland classified as 1A, faced the problem that many of them did. I'm starting a business. What do I do with it? Yeah. So what he did was advertise, quote, business property for sale. To be ready when I am called for induction, I have decided to sell my grain, feed, seed, building material, and grocery business. If interested, see me at once. <laughs> Now I don't know what became what of that. a great story! Yeah, I'm not sure, uh, because we know that after the war, the Crosland Supply Company prospered, it sure did, and, and uh, the Crosland family is still very much uh, present around in mm-hmm. parts of the county. Uh, but his <laughs>
2: the mayor of Murfreesboro was was a Crosland.
1: Yeah. Uh, Frank Croson. I'm sorry,
2: I should have said
1: Smyrna. Yeah, Smyrna. I'll let you correct yourself. Thank you very much. (laughs) Uh, Frank uh, obviously was being a bit fatalistic. He didn't know for sure he'd be coming back. So instead of having the business limp along uh, while he's gone, he's just going to sell the whole thing. Mm And uh, I'm sure his plan was to use the proceeds of the sale to secure his family because he's also leaving a family yeah. For under those circumstances. But uh, it was a, an admirable but a cruel time. Yeah. Uh, but because everybody knew we were all in this together, everybody was doing their part. Uh, a little bit of a parallel with today. Today we talk about how... Difficult it is to find employers, employees. Mm -hmm. Uh, Signs are out. We're hiring all over town. Uh, That was exactly the same situation after Pearl Harbor because all the young, able uh, disappeared. A lot of women went to work in manufacturing and such. Uh, We were not only at full employment in uh, Rutherford County, we were way over the top. And we had some new businesses, and uh, one that uh, we've talked about many times. Out at the old Sky Harbor Airport, the airport had already been closed down in about 1938, mm-hmm. but the property out there had was supporting several industries, and there was a new industry out there, and hired uh, everybody they could uh, to work uh, at the new Sky Harbor uh, activity there and what we didn't know at the time was that uh, it was producing a product to specifications that went to another new business that had been established up in Oak Ridge and uh, Rutherford County had a very direct relationship with the development of the the bomb that eventually ended the war in the South Pacific and saved so many lives uh, at the sacrifice of others but uh, the and I, I studied a little bit of Edward Teller's writings to try to understand. And having studied it, I didn't understand at all. But in controlling the nuclear reaction, mm-hmm. it takes certain materials that will absorb the reaction, and that enables us to control it by how much of that is put into the mix and how much. Uh, and the substance that uh, was used for that was graphite. But the graphite had to be processed to a certain level of purity and then cut into blocks, certain shapes. So cutting graphite, producing cut, cutting graphite, was what was going on out here at the old Sky Harbor property. And uh, the people they hired had no idea what the end product they were producing, where it was going. I'm sure there were some rumors where it was going and what it was for. How it was to be used, nobody really knew for sure, in Rutherford County. The Russians do. Hmm.
2: The Russians found out. Oh yeah. Yeah. The spies went in. Yeah. Well,
1: they they did a good job of keeping up with it. Yeah. In fact, in the inner circle, uh, and if you read Teller, some of Teller's writings, at some point he talks about remembering the young fella. Who we found out later was uh, was a spy. Mm-hmm. Anyway, the uh, Rutherford County made a significant contribution to the Manhattan Project, yeah, and sure at the is. time, the local people really didn't know what they were doing or what it was for. Uh, but uh, added to the employment base here in Rutherford County.
2: You th- you think about all the things that were going on at the time, and you wonder where the uh, where we were able to succeed where Germany couldn't. Germany was working on the bomb also at the time and not had the uh, ability to completely develop it at the time. And uh, it, it just seems like that um, everything fell in place for us to make it all happen. And you, you talk about this being a blessed country. This really is a blessed country. And, and we need to be... Um, so proud to be a part of a country that has meant so much to the world. Because, you know, uh, Great Britain was trying their best to get us into the war oh, and, yeah. and, and support Europe at the time.
1: Yeah, Churchill and, knew he had he had to have reinforcements yeah. that he would not be able to hold out indefinitely.
2: Yeah, and we were able to uh, loan them certain things that would... Help them, you know, stay alive until we came into the war.
1: Well, the neutralists in the late 30s, Lindbergh and his his uh, sympathizers, tried to to expose the fact that uh, the United States was significantly involved in Europe early on because we mm-hmm. were supplying materials through Britain. Yeah. Uh, and we took some bad hits because uh, the Germans knew what was going on, and the German submarines, which uh, were more advanced than anything else underwater at that time, Mm -hmm. uh, were uh, sinking uh, these supply ships uh, as part of their war effort. Mm -hmm. And uh, reading some of that, I think, how, how are we able to turn away from that without immediately reacting and part of it was that uh, Roosevelt, his administration, knew that there was not yet popular support and uh, yeah, we're not sure that they could even get a vote through Congress to declare war on Germany. Yeah. Uh, of course, uh, the day after we declared war on Japan, we declared war on Germany and yeah. really went, all out. Choice, yeah. Yeah, went all out that direction as well. Uh, and when you think about, we were fighting two wars that time. The capability, the productive capability of this country was just incredible. Hard to believe that we could, uh, what do they call it, the industrial miracle that we were well, able We
2: had allowed that to happen. We really had. And, and as we, uh, our military uh, was not strong at that time. No, as we all know.
1: Uh, yes, except for limited successes. Yeah. That's why it was 1944 before we were really able to come to bear. The uh, D-Day, of course, was June 1944, mm-hmm. and the uh, uh, march through the Solomon Islands that my father was part of didn't kick off until late 1943, yeah. September. August-September 1943, Guadalcanal, which started the pushing back Japan at that point.
2: Well, you think about this country. We try to just help the countries that we go into. We do not colonize a country. I mean, Great Britain, I guess, has probably been the number one. Um, uh, and, And supposedly they were doing it to help out the poorer countries and things like that,
1: so... I got a changing subject. got an interesting uh, email over the weekend from uh, uh, somebody I don't know. In fact, I don't even know where he is. I got his name on the email. My cue was the last name. Mm-hmm. But he had come across some of my writing from, oh, 10 years ago where uh, we talked about the uh, fraternities mm-hmm. that... Uh, were serving the high school boys back in the 1930s. And I had pointed out in uh, what I had written before that although I had misunderstood for many years, these fraternities were not part of the high school programs. Because when I started research, I went uh, to all the yearbooks Mm -hmm. from Central High School in the 30s looking for the Sigma Phi Omega fraternity expecting to find pictures of groups mm-hmm. and identify the, the, the boys that were in the fraternity. Nothing in the yearbooks because it was not a uh, sanctioned uh, activity for the, for the campus, the school. It was independent. Uh, obviously the kids were high school kids mm-hmm. and many of them in the SPO and there was more than just the SPO. Uh, the were snooks. were we used
2: to call them the Snooks. The
1: other one. <laughs> yeah. The, uh, but uh, this individual has read through it and he sent me a, an email. Just in one sentence. Said you might be interested to know. Interested to know, that there were, there was an SPO chapter at a high school in Canada. Mm-hmm. Well, the organization that set up the SPO and chartered the, the individual groups, was based in Chattanooga. Uh, was basically a profit-making business uh, setting up these chapters and collecting dues and providing services and such and uh, you know they they taught leadership and uh, uh, were a service group and also provide social activity mm-hmm. in fact the SPO at least once a year would have a big uh, formal dance and uh, probably Louis Brinkley our local big band Played for it, but I know on one or two occasions they were able to hire Francis Craig, the big Nashville big band, Mm -hmm. which uh, had some national reputation. I think they had at least one big uh, hit near you, Uh, and they brought them. The SPO brought them down here once or twice. I mean, that was a big ticket item, but. did the social work. Well, what's interesting about the uh, information from Canada is there, apparently, it was part of the high school program, uh, different from the way it operated down here. Eventually, in my time, uh, high school fraternities were generally banned, prohibited, uh, around Nashville and those areas. I think down here as well, eventually. But They
2: uh, were still going when I was in high school. Yeah.
1: Uh, but they were off off campus, so to speak. Is that what you remember? Mm, no,
2: a lot of their activities were on campus
1: activities, but were they recognized as a campus organization?
2: I don't know. Yeah, Maybe somebody needs to call in and tell us that. Uh, Bob Mifflin and Richard Reeds, I know, that they were exposed.
1: Well, uh, I hadn't focused on it much until I came back in the late uh, 1980s, and Tommy Hard said, Well, I remember your father and uncle very well because I had to memorize their names. I said, What? He says, When I pledged SPO in order to be a member, I had to memorize the names of the founding members. Mm -hmm. And the two Tucker boys were part of that founding group, uh, along with some other very familiar names. And uh, he said, uh, you know, we had to memorize all that and and, uh, show our commitment to the organization. Mm -hmm. You think it's still raining out there?
2: I love it. You know, it's such a great day. I don't care how messy the the bad weather is outside. It's still a fun day. Well, it, and living here in Rutherford County, you know, we're all blessed here.
1: We really are. Well, it strikes me as a good day to head over to Hoopers, and maybe they'll have a fire going and some other f- contemporaries. To
2: are you inviting everybody to come over to Hoopers? Yes, today? sir.
1: Everybody who's interested in talking about old times and complaining about things today. Uh, Hooper's is still available as a, as a venue for that.
2: You know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of the old days when I was young, and uh, we would all go over to uh, Mitchell's Grocery, and they would have a fire going that, about this time of year. And uh, I, if I remember right, mostly it was coal at that time. But it would it would just warm everybody up, and we would sit on uh, something like the little Coca-Cola bottle. Tastings. Uh, uh, yeah, and, and and just enjoy the day.
1: Yeah. Well, you were I, I don't not.
2: think people uh, do that as much anymore. Well,
1: there's some of course the fireplace is a little harder to find now. There's a group that hangs around Hardee's, and I don't think there's a fireplace at Hardee's. Uh,
2: this would actually be a stove.
1: Yeah. A big old pot-bellied stove. Pot-bellied stove, yeah. Wood stove, uh, coal. Well, you remind me, the uh, fireplace at Hooper's is a good study Mm -hmm. because it was obviously built back in the days when coal was the way we Mm heated. And uh, unlike your uh, fireplaces in modern homes today, it's shallow. It's probably from the front of the grate to the back uh, brick, Mm -hmm. eight inches maybe because they wanted that heat to be bouncing out into the room, thrown out in the room, rather than going up the chimney. I got a beautiful fireplace out at the farm, but just about all the heat goes up the chimney, because that's the way we designed it. Uh, uh, But uh, the grate had kind of a belly to it, so the the fire was actually out beyond the fireplace, and uh, the draft would pull the smoke up the chimney, but the heat would be deflected, reflected out into the room, which was the reason you had a fireplace back then. It wasn't uh, the romance or the nostalgia; it was to keep the place warm.
2: But it, but they work together. I mean, the romance and the nostalgia. That, there's nothing more comfortable than a home and and being around with friends and family and, and watching the fire.
1: <laughs> I understand about the nostalgia. You might have to explain what you mean by romance and the fireplace.
2: Well, I thought, I thought that uh, somebody as romantic as you are, I thought that uh, you would uh, have that uh, that thought while you're sitting there.
1: You wouldn't know. You wouldn't know. <laughs> no, I'm just assuming. Yeah. Boy. All right. I think we've run out of time, Truman. Yeah, I think we have. <laughs> we've too. run out of things to talk about, at least. Have we? <laughs> no, we can sit
2: here for hours. Yeah, I, I guess we will. I guess we—they uh, need us uh, to let it let it go, and you know,
1: let's play baseball tomorrow.
2: Yeah, we're going to. With Billy Martin's son's going to be on. We're going to be talking about the Yankees of the 50s and baseball, and and how uh, baseball is uh, um, been able to stay pretty much the same type of sport during all these years but um I, I sure hope that they don't strike but i'm afraid they're going to save all right guys we'll see you in the morning at nine
0: from nhc's adams place home of premier senior living on memorial boulevard it's the truman show on news radio wgns On FM 101.9 and AM 1450 Murfreesboro, FM 100.5 Smyrna, and streaming at WGNSradio.com.